we are like iceberg beings. Most of us is beneath the surface. Michael Talbot, author of The Holographic Universe. They say that the subconscious is the storehouse of all memory. Our fears, anxieties, childhood traumas, subliminal programming, all find a home in the subterranean repository called the subconscious. But what if we could bring all of that information to the surface? What if we have the ability to resurrect that which we don't want or need anymore and transmute it into something that serves us better? Intuitive empath and author of Leap of Perception, Penny Pierce, had some fascinating things to say about the matter. When we identify that which we want most, often its opposite will show up in clear view. Are these just the reality gremlins playing tricks on us? Or is there something more powerful happening that's readying us to bring in what we desire most? Penny, in her trademark style of clarity and even poetic tone, helps us navigate these times of moving from an age of confusion to one of clarity and transformation. And what she has to share is truly helping to empower all of us to live our best lives. Today's guest is no stranger to higher journeys. In fact, this is her sixth appearance on the show. Can't believe it, sixth appearance. And her first appearance was back in 2013 when the show was called Conscious Inquiry. And I called that kitchen table conversations for good reason, because it sounded like I was speaking at the kitchen table. That was that was then and this is now. Hard to believe that much time has passed. I am talking about world-renowned intuitive empath and author Penny Pierce, my friend. Penny, welcome back. Welcome back to Higher Journeys. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad to talk to you again. It's always a pleasure. And you know, we've been yapping offline for a bit. We had a little bit of a hiatus where we didn't we didn't we didn't speak for, I don't know, (laughs) quite a few months. It wasn't anything between us, but we (laughs) just doing our thing. But when we came back together, everyone out there, just so you know, we just love to yap and yap and yap and talk about everything from going to Home Depot to um, to the subconscious, to metaphysics, <laughs> all that good stuff. That's what we're going to be doing today, going to be diving in. You know, you and I, it seems, have, as I said, covered the gamut when it comes to parsing or distilling this idea of intuition, of the intuition, the intuition age, as you call it, the idea of living not linearly, but spherically. This is an idea that you have made very popular. Well, where we will certainly be folding these concepts into our conversation today, I want to bring in another element that I think is indicative of our unique time in history and how we process information. And that has to do with how we can become more aware of subconscious thoughts and the role these thoughts play in how we live our lives. Who or what is really controlling things here? Does the subconscious, that repository, repository, or what I like to call the catch basin, that seems to be storing so much more information than our conscious mind knows, does that hold the key to reversing or shifting the trajectory of our lives? Let's start with that question, Penny. How integral is the subconscious to how we live our lives? Wow. You know, I think that we have the subconscious and we have the the conscious mind and we have the super conscious mind which to me is sort of the the fund of information that's in the the soul realm but then we have the collective unconscious you know mm. just to complicate things um, and to me that the collective unconscious is like the part of the knowledge that's behind our backs that we haven't seen yet it hasn't come forth 
and the subconscious is in there and the superconscious is in there. There's a lot we haven't discovered yet, you know, that is laying in the the uh, so-called underconsciousness, if you want. Mm. Um, but I think subconscious is maybe a little misunderstood. For the one, on the one hand, it it includes knowledge about everything that's kind of pre-verbal, like how plants are good for medicine or, you know, the, the history of the earth or things that are very deep and old, but not necessarily negative at all. And then, of course, it also is that place where we tend to suppress fear-based experiences, yes. things that we didn't want to acknowledge or that scared us so much that we either left our body or we just um, said, no, I'm not going to feel that anymore. And we used an act of will to suppress it. And it goes into that subconscious realm to a level, I think, in there where we could pretend we didn't have it. We didn't know it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like, almost like an act of will in a way, you know, that we use a lot of energy to hold all that stuff down there. Right. Well, that's exactly where I want to go eventually. And that's how, how, how it got there, how it became subterranean and how we might be able to give it more buoyancy and bring it into our awareness. But I, at this point, I want to bring in uh, a, an excellent blog post that you recently penned on your website, simplypennypierce.com, entitled The Processing Quandary. I think you just posted this last week, mm-hmm. in which I'm going to quote you. And you say here, quote, every so often, I am drawn into the temptation to process blockages, to clear myself of negative beliefs by rooting them out of the subconscious mud of my past, or to discover hidden passions and goals by fishing for lists of them in the great ocean of possibilities, end quote. Now, assuming both the blockages and the passions and goals, many of them at least, are in that massive cauldron we call the subconscious, how on earth do we get access to it? I know that's a big question, but I want to just dig right in. How do we get access to it? Okay. Well, <laughs> I think I think that a lot of times they surface all on their own and, and more and more lately because, you know, I have to just backtrack about a little step or two because I, I think that we need to understand about the acceleration on the planet. Yes. You know, and that the actual frequency of matter and the vibration of the planet has been rapidly increasing recently, but even before that, just steadily increasing. And what that does is it it raises the vibration of our bodies, and it then it raises the vibration of the subconscious mind and of the conscious mind and of the emotions, you know, everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when that happens, a lot of the subconscious stuff, which was a very slow, kind of low vibration, Fear is a slow vibration, you know, love is a very high refined kind of vibration. So all the things that were stuck in the subconscious at that level, well, that whole, let's say, band of of frequency has increased now. And those old fears can't stay there. So they are popping up to the surface and being released pretty organically, I think. And if you don't keep trying to suppress things, and you just relax, whatever you need to know that's in the way will come to the surface and you'll find yourself dealing with it without even trying to go down and dig into the mud. You know, it just comes when you're ready mm-hmm. and and then you engage with it and you look at it and you don't get scared of it and try to suppress it again. 
but notice that, oh, I have a fear coming up or I'm noticing this snag in my life or I feel stuck. Okay, something is surfacing. What is it all about? You know, so so there's that. It's just like the natural growth process or evolution process. We need to trust it because what we need to clear from ourselves will come up because we are trying to be clear, evolved beings. It's like if you ask for love, everything that isn't love will come into the space to be gotten rid of so that you can mm, be loved. Yeah, that's you interesting. Know? Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, the way you put that is very interesting. Let me just let me just play with this for a minute. You said that when you're looking, when you ask for love, everything that really is its opposite comes up to the surface to be cleared so that you can make space for it. Yes? Right. Because yeah. everything that you believe in that's fearful um, negates the reality of love. But if you say you want love and that's your really truest, deepest motive, then first you have to get rid of the blockages. So if we say we want to evolve or to wake up all the way or to be transparent and to be compassionate and so forth on a spiritual path, then all the yes buts that are in the way have to surface and be seen for what they are, which generally is a misperceived kind of experience or something where it was partially perceived. You didn't see the whole thing and so you got stuck, like you inhaled and forgot to exhale, mm-hmm. you know. And so when it, when these things come up again, the key thing is to be with them and let let them be and view it in a neutral way as though from the God's eye view or the soul's eye view. Like, what is this really? What happened to me back in when I was two years old? And I judged it with my two-year-old baby mind, you know, <laughs> mm. and then I made a rule out of it. And now I'm, my adult self is operating according to that. Um so when you are neutral in your observation of it, you can start to see through the surface of the pattern into the cause. And often that cause is often kind of silly. It's like, oh, I see I jumped to conclusions or I made the wrong assumption or I locked it down before I saw the whole picture, or, you know, whatever. And then you can, as soon as you get that, it clears and you return to your own true self again, and then you have your own loving energy and wise energy. Right. Uh, okay, and that gets stronger, and then of course that the amount of love that you are or the amount of clarity that you've now become is more magnetic, and it draws up more of the stuff that's in the way. <laughs> so <laughs> We could spend right? the rest of our lives, for, as you clear well, the, the clutter, more yeah, comes, and it, more it's it like, yeah quite a few years or it has maybe it's quicker now because of the acceleration but I think um, the more loving you become the more the other stuff comes up but also you're so much stronger that you don't believe it's real you don't believe it in its great reality you're not giving it power over you Mm -hmm. in the early stages of facing fears you think the fear is bigger than you and has more power that you know over you to like hurt you or kill you or whatever. Um, and the wiser you become, the less important those things are, and the easier it is to clear them. You know, so you know, so this is a long answer to your no, question but, about that's, I, how do you access this stuff? Yeah, well, it is a process. Do, yeah, it takes time. Yeah, I I do think that a large part of it is just organic that these things will come up when they're due to come up. But also, I think we can 
and, and the same thing for your talents and and the positive stuff. It's all there waiting to get a space to, to pop through. And again, if you're contracted or thinking in negative terms or, oh, I don't know how to dance, well, then you could never learn whether you're a good dancer or not. Right. You, know, you never give it a chance to to experiment with it. I love what so, you just said, Penny. You said that saying that you have a love for dancing or a desire to dance, and it is all there. It's just waiting for a space to pop through. I think that is really that is powerful. It's all there. Well, that's part of that repository in that what I'm calling the subconscious. Mm -hmm. It's all in there. It's just waiting for a space to pop through. Another thing I just want to bring up, I'm taking mental notes here, because I think these are all things that we need to, um, to put into practice. As you were explaining um, how we begin to let's say we're looking we're looking for love but as we do all of the stuff that has prevented it has come has prevented that from happening come to the surface in order for you to address the key thing here is you ask questions the thing that i noticed that you were doing and going through this exercise was literally asking questions where did this come from why is this here you know uh etc yes what do you think about verbalizing out loud how powerful is that or asking out loud well, I, I do it all the time. I have an, a, an inner conversation with what I call my inner perceiver. And I think you could call that your inner voice or the Holy Spirit or whatever. But to me, it's that part of my own consciousness that helps me notice what I notice. It's kind of a guide for my my daily awareness. and um, And so I notice certain things. Maybe I'm not in danger, but I'm noticing two other people arguing. And then that triggers me into some memory about, gosh, you know, who knows when it was in the past that made me feel scared mm-hmm. when other people were arguing, you know. And um, and so then I'll I'll try to become aware of what I'm noticing, first of all. And then once I notice that I have tension around that, then I say, okay, what is that about? And I ask myself, and then I get quiet, and I wait, and I'll get a piece of an in, in, of an answer, you know. How do you get um, the answer? Is it a synchronicity? It, how, how does that come through? For me now, it's kind of like those little magic eight balls. You shake them up, and then you turn them over, and then something pops into the window. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like... Uh, uh, like, okay, two people arguing... You know, I get a, a feeling of being the helpless child and my parents are yelling at each other, let's say. And when I say, what is that about? What pops up then is the underlayer of that, which is that I felt like I could be in danger if one of them got hurt or hurt the other. Mm-hmm. You know, like my life was dependent on their survival. Sure. And I'll get into that thought and they say, uh-huh. Is there anything else? What else? You know, and I'll kind of like, when you ask a question, that's a magnet. And it will automatically draw up an answer instantly. It's it's tagged right on the end of the question, actually, because they exist together. Yes, I, I get that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oftentimes, the questions that we ask, the answer is implicit in the question. Or the answer made us ask the question, so we'd get sure. the answer. 
Right. <laughs> or <know>. both. <laughs> yeah, right. Sometimes the way I, I know that for me, sometimes the way I phrase a question and I reflect on the question and how I asked it, the answer is embedded literally in the question. Sometimes. That's right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that dialogue with the with that inner perceiver part and your inner wise self that knows all these things. Um, I'll just, sometimes I'll do it in a journal. Sometimes I'll just ask myself as I'm going along and I see something when I'm driving and say, why did I just notice that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll say, aha, uh-huh. or what's the symbolic meaning of that? If this were a dream and I had this symbol in my dream, what would I make of it? You know, so I interpret <laughs> a lot of, you know, ordinary life experiences that way. But also, especially when they come up and they are from the subconscious, which usually is something I've suppressed that I didn't want to look at, then I will, because to me, then it's kind of like um, a game. I've made it into a game. Instead of getting scared by the, something coming up, I go, ooh, interesting. Let's look at that. <laughs> and, and you know, go down into it, dig down, drop in, f- fall through the layers. What's at the core? And at the very core, there's the, almost always a, an experience of like, oh, that was so silly that I, I thought that. You know, oh, I can see why it happened, but it's not actually real. Because mm-hmm. now I'm the soul looking at it and thinking, you know, souls don't have fear. They don't even recognize it, really. Right. And you get down to that point where you say, hey, everything's fine. You know, in, in this world of who I really am, you know, I don't have self-sacrifice. I don't have you know, contraction. Right, right. That actually reminds me of another quote when you just said something that triggered me. I'm going to read this to the audience. In this blog that you just wrote, you say, uh, quote, somewhere in the heart of every, we're talking about the present, by the way, uh, in this, somewhere in the heart of every evolving cell in my body, I know that in the present moment, in the absence of my left brain's egotistical tyranny, I am perfectly fine. Right here in this moment, there are no blockages, and I am not stuck in fear. I am what I am, simple, clean, clear, sweet, lovable, loving, and wise. I think that speaks exactly to what you just said. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is. It's when you just get really simple, um, it's almost like the fear just disappears. It reminds me of the Course in Miracles thing. You know, if you have love, you don't have fear. And if you have fear, you don't have love. Mm-hmm. They are mutually exclusive experiences. Um, and... Uh, but, you know, going back to, like, if you want to delve into or dig down into the subconscious, um, I think you almost need a trigger. You need something to focus on first. You know, if you see something on TV or why are the atrocities in a war happening? What? And then I would say to myself, well, why would, it, why would someone have that happen to them? And why would the perpetrator feel like doing that? Or feel that that was an okay thing to do, and what would their reality be like? And then I will sort of empathically merge into those two points of view. See what are what would a soul be learning? What would you know? What would be involved? And um, you know, I teach myself a lot by doing things like that. It sounds like you sure do. Well, I have to say, and of course, I'll have a link to the blog that you wrote. Uh, the processing quandary. This is based on you. It's first person. This is about your experience, and you you're not shy about <laughs> talking about some of your 
hiccups, let's just say, but how you right. learn from them. Just exactly, you put your money where your mouth is, my friend. <laughs> you you're, you yep. take these processes and apply them first and foremost to yourself before you can talk about them with others. So I, I admire you for that. It's great. It's not a long blog, but it's very um, transparent, shall we say, <laughs> in the way you brought it. So I appreciate that about yeah. you. That's great. Let's talk about this for a minute. Um, I want to talk about the amount of the data that we're taking in um, and estimates of how much we are processing. I'm going to look for my notes here because I have some actual numbers. I've always found this very interesting. I was fishing around for some estimates on how much information or bits of data we take in on a regular basis. And this is what I've found uh, thus far. And these are just estimates. I've heard that we receive anywhere from 11 to 30 million bits of data per second. But the but consciously, the, the conscious mind only processes about 50 bits, 50 bits. Wow. I mean, I guess, wow. would it, isn't that incredible? Would it be fair to say that if we were able to consciously process all the data that we receive, we'd self implode? Is this just too much information? Maybe we're not meant to process all of it or what do we do with all of that? Because it's well, like I you think said, it's when all there. we talk about the conscious mind, we are often referring to the left brain. And the, to me, the left brain is um, based on the idea of separation and, you know, analytical stuff and logic and definition. And it processes bits and bytes of information in a linear way, mm-hmm. which is pretty slow. You know, it's like, here's A and then there's B, but then there's a little gap in between A and B, and then there's a gap between C. And even though it's a minute, tiny gap, it still slows everything down. And then you have to integrate all those pieces and get a meaning out of it. And the more you put in, the more complicated the meaning becomes. You know, where if you move more into your intuition and your right brain, you Everything exists all at once there, and it is not linear. It is a field. It is spherical. Right. It's it's like you're in a ball, and in that ball is all information with you in the present moment. So it's your personal reality of the present moment, and you have it all already. So when you, when you look at processing information from the intuition – you have to kind of soften your your brain, <laughs> you know, like relax. And if you ask a question, you may not get a verbal answer. You may get a feeling, sure, a, a state of being, mm-hmm. a pattern of information, and then that will impress you, almost literally. Like a, I always think of it like a Tempur-Pedic mattress. You know, it that data impresses you and departs itself to you or downloads to you in a pattern. And then you start to notice it and it starts to translate up bit by bit by bit and you can describe it. But you can have great understandings of very complicated things in a moment that way. Right. And then the left brain's job is to sort of take dictation. (laughs) I love it. it, Get it back into the, the, the... linear world which is you know time space and matter which is how we make things happen here Um, we do it's not going away but it's not the leading way of perceiving anymore you know Mm -hmm. so we can all those that data we're processing if you really went out in nature and got really quiet 
do you know how many more bits and bytes of information you'd be processing by going into a field of you know molecules of trees and flowers and birds and sky and clouds and you know blah 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 um, it's all there in you and the, here's where the holographic part comes in because mm. if you look out to the bigger world that we think is called the outside which really is not outside us but it's the form world and you look at all the kinds of forms and the frequencies and vibrations of everything. And then you look inside yourself in your energy self. Here's where in a microcosm, you're representing the entirety of that whole Absolutely. world. Absolutely. That's what I love about In yourself hmm. in a very personal way. And whatever you need to know will bubble up, you know, in the moment, depending on need. Mm-hmm. I don't know who decides on need, but I guess the inner perceiver, your inner self says, you know, I'm going to notice this next. Right. And then things bubble up. That's what Or I cleared this, this block out of the way, so now the next thing that needs to know is going to surface. And it was held back by the previous blockage. Right. That's what makes us brilliant. And that's why I say universe and us are on purpose, not by accident, not 50% of the time, not 80%, but 100% of the time. And that was the question that I had, you know, if it's all in there with us, what is the X factor that determines what comes to the surface first, that we need to know? And you, I think you just answered that brilliantly. Absolutely. What and the- I think this is um, relates back to my processing quandary thing, because um, I, there's one part in there where I had this therapist who was just very, um, you know, he loved to take me back into the past and try to find all these things in my childhood that were problems and process them out with me. And I kept saying, no, I, I don't have to do that. You know, <laughs> that um, if an issue comes up, it's in my present moment with me. And if I be with it in the moment, and then if I pay attention to it, I make it real. If I give it attention, I keep it alive, you know, and especially with resistance. But if I be with it in a way where I'm just a neutral observer and seeing what it really means, and I don't um, hold it to myself, and I don't relate to it, you know, it it starts to fade. It's all in the present moment. It's what you give your attention to that becomes real. So if I take my attention out of some early trauma, I'll get the insight about it, and then it will just dissolve, and I'll forget that it even happened. I'll say, wait a minute, was that mine, or you know, did I have a fear of people arguing, or uh, somebody else told me that? Exactly. And so for that, your therapist called you the queen of avoidance, didn't he? Yes. <laughs> That's in here, too. I'm looking at it. I'll read it. It says, we ended up in friendly fights as I maintained that I didn't need to go there, that the secret to freedom was in the present moment, not in the past. And he called you. Yeah, sure. Queen of avoidance. I get you, though, Penny. I understand what you're saying. I don't think you're the queen of avoidance at all. I mean, some people could some people could call that, you know, denial or, you know, just don't want to deal with it. But it's a way of distilling so that you're not necessarily... Uh, putting it aside, you're transmuting it, I would think. That's right. Yeah, it's not about avoidance at all. It's more about, it's a more refined principle, I think, of consciousness is literally, it's about the power of your attention. 
and what you put attention on, and you can put attention on something positively with love or negatively with resistance and fear, but you still put attention on it so it becomes real. It actually drops into physical the physical vibration from the mental and you right. know the higher realms. You take your attention out of it. That's why boredom is so useful. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> you take your attention out of it, and um, and let it be. Be kind of nonplussed about the thing, and don't hold it. That's the big thing. People hold these patterns and say, "This is my identity. This is who I am." Uh, I was an abused person. Okay, okay. If you'd like to be an abused person, you can keep doing that. But you're a soul. Souls don't get abuse. Mm -hmm. You know. So, why do you want to hold it? Right. Uh, you know, it's victim consciousness in of a certain course. way. And I don't mean to belittle any of that. But instead of doing that, you can simply take attention out of it. Let it be. I mean, it's a pattern that everybody has probably experienced Absolutely. many times in all of their lifetimes. And it's it's no fun, obviously, but it's not my chosen reality. Mm -hmm. I have to bring this up um, in the same context in terms of not just victim mentality, but keeping attention on that which you've gone through. That has that that is your forgive the term excuse for staying in a certain space. And I can't, I think I'd be remiss, Penny, if I didn't talk about how our medias want to continue to force us to think that way. I don't know if you've noticed, particularly in mm. pharmaceutical commercials, the operative oh, word, yes. <laughs> the operative word, this is big, is own my cancer, my, my diabetes, my whatever. I have noticed this increasingly in these sorts of ads or even in conversations that are talking about something that you have acquired or have, and they position it as if you have ownership of it, mine, yes, as if yes. it's my car. And I, I, you know, I've looked at this and I thought, my gosh, there's some serious psychological programming going on here where they're getting people accustomed to this idea that um, this is something that they should be owning and thus should be staying in a perpetual state of suffering. That's the inference below this. And I think this is a big deal. No, it's mm -hmm. not mine, my alcoholism, my, right. you know, whatever it is. Um, so that that's, yeah. uh, that's bad. That's bad news to me. That's not a good process. It, it's part, yeah, it's part of, it's a funny thing because if you're not, taking responsibility for it, then you can really feel like the world is doing this to me and True. I'm a total victim. True. If you if you take responsibility, it doesn't mean that you are permanently that way. There's like a mid middle ground where you say, oh, okay, I had something to do with this happening. And I have something to do with not holding it to myself anymore either. That's I right. can substitute those thoughts that caused that you know, irritation or uh, disharmony within my body with other thoughts that are like the opposite. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, by taking a the positive responsibility, let's say, yes. then you can find a pathway to healing. No question. Right? No question. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it, it works both ways. But 
I guess what my point is, there's a very subtle inference in the way these commercials are positioned. Um, there, I don't even know that they're saying or inferring taking ownership as in responsibility, but rather being stuck with that reality. Yeah. It is mine, and therefore <laughs> it it will always be mine. That well, is what making it part through. of their identity. Absolutely, you got it. There's there's an even better way of saying it: making it a part of their identity. There's a very subtle and profound message subliminally that's being sent where to the subconscious. Mm -hmm. to the subconscious. And those are the things that need to be resurrected, understood, so that they can be not avoided, not make them go away, but transmuted into its opposite. And that's what you're talking about, the positive yeah. side of that. That's what and, and let me just make a tiny lateral shift, too, because I think that, speaking of media and so forth, and the subconscious, is that when things start surfacing from that fear-based part of the subconscious, it always comes up as a polarization. Mm-hmm. Because part of that fear is that I'm separate from the world and there's a big world out there that's that's opposite of me, you know, or there are other people who believe the opposite of me that are dangerous to me. So you get into that, that those polarized stances. And, um, you know, so cancer is opposite of me. You know, it's my enemy. And, um, and so the media, though, because it needs attention, it creates more polarization talk. You know, it keeps things polarized, I think, in order to um, get viewers. No question. It stirs up fear. You know, remember the experiment years ago about happy news? No <laughs> one wanted to watch no it. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, we're talking about if it bleeds, it leads. I've said this before. We used to, in the media, call it if it bleeds, it leads. And these days I say, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't make the cut. <laughs> Get it? If yeah. it doesn't bleed, it doesn't make the cut. And so the fear factor is a, a, a sustained, perpetual, you know, mm -hmm. evildoer. Uh, and, and the motivations for that, that's a whole nother show, of course, because I think it's more than the obvious. I think there's some very subtle things going on too, subliminal programming, and again, the subconscious. But nonetheless, once we understand that, I think we can turn off the TV. I think that's really the easiest well, yeah. thing to When do, you to talk about with. subliminal programming, what you're talking about is validating the ideas in the subconscious. Yes, yes. You know, absolutely. that's really what it is. And, um, you know, but in the unconscious... You know, we have so much of our soul's, you know, ability to be aware of huge patterns and much healthier kind of reality. So it's a choice, I think. Part of it is constantly choosing, I want to be my own soul. I want to have that come through me. I don't want to be limited. I don't want to live in fear. And I want to clear myself of anything in the way of me being my own compassionate genius, you know, and and I'm going to let it shine out. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, I was talking to a friend the other day who was talking about shining out more and that when she does that, she actually starts to get dizzy hmm. because it's frightening to her to, to show up all the way. And yet she's, I said, you know, you don't even have to try to shine out. You are, you're already doing it. You know, just let yourself feel exposed. You know, you're just going to come out who you are anyway. Right. You can't make yourself shine. That's true. That's interesting that she felt a sense of dizziness because of mm -hmm. she was exerting that 
Mm, I don't know. That's interesting. I'm thinking about that. Dizzy. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I guess that feels like maybe a little weak or a little um, off balance. I was going to say almost like a vertigo kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, because while you're not... She's yeah. getting her sea legs back, I suppose. So there's a little it's bit like, of wobbling. Uh-oh, yeah. uh-oh, what's going to happen? Yeah, wobbly. Interesting. Um, huh. Yeah. What's coming up, you think, in terms of, now, you've been you've been rocking this, and I, and I don't say that facetiously. I mean, you have really been an advocate of frequency, the, of, of the, the shift in frequency and us along with it and all the things that are sh- shifting um, in terms of, living in this ball, sort of mm-hmm. slowly annihilating the linear the way of processing information. <laughs> Hopefully, there'll be a full anni- annihilation of that eventually. But what do you see coming in the near future? Do you and I know these things don't come in? Well, maybe they do come in in leaps, leap of perception. That's yeah. a great segue, isn't it? What's coming up? I mean, we know that we've been mm-hmm. we've been on this kind of a it's just been a perpetual arc. But do you see any spikes coming in in terms of our where we are in our timeline? What what are you seeing? Yeah. Okay. So let me see how to get this all to fit together here. Um, there's going to be a continued acceleration on the planet. So the energy is not going to fade backwards. It's going to keep on going faster and faster. Which um, you know as that precipitates the subconscious mind opening and all the fears rising to the surface people are facing a lot of of problems they're getting Mm. sick they're having you know accidents there are mass deaths there are you know more illnesses coming in and stuff and wars and so forth and um, so I feel like that's going to continue to accelerate for a little while because I think we're in what I call the bridge time between two different realities between the old information age and the new intuition age and uh, so there's going to be an acceleration of the the surfacing of fears in all different phases as that happens part of the transformation process is that we try to resuppress the things that are uncomfortable and that's where we start to see you know dictators and authoritarian leaders showing up around the world that they are narcissistic they are uh, you know ego ego maniacs basically but because the ego is the left brain and the left brain is linear perception it is too slow and all those old ego tricks and uh, they aren't going to work anymore so you know the ego is dying basically mm-hmm. and uh, but all that means is it's giving up control so that the right brain and the soul can be the leader and then the left brain becomes the implementer. It's But right now it's it's kind of like the left brain doesn't even acknowledge the right brain existing. No. You know, it's just, yeah. it's all it's all there is. And then we identify with that. And when you identify with the left brain, it becomes ego. All right, so that is fading out in power. It's not going to work to be a narcissistic leader anymore because all of those methods, we're eclipsing them in a large collective consciousness way. People are looking at those behaviors and saying, that is so stupid. That is so silly. That's antiquated. Jeez, that's like, you know, it's like the uh, pay telephone booth. 
you know, where, right. you know, you hardly see those around anymore. And, and um, it's like, oh, how nostalgic. <laughs> right, exactly. But, um, mm. but see, we're going to eclipse and jump beyond, leapfrog beyond those kinds of control games and selfishness games and start to see, hey, who are you people who are trying to do this? You're not even, you know, part of what's going on in the world at all. Because what we're doing is group consciousness now. There's no hierarchy in business anymore. There's going to be a flatter structure where everybody takes responsibility. And so many things are shifting into new patterns. Hmm. You know, so so on the one hand, I'm trying to summarize this, we're You're getting an job. increase. <laughs> the, we're getting an increase in the symptoms of the fear, the polarization, the ego, the separation, the control games, the dominator victim patterns are going to show up bigger and bigger. Then we're going to find that a lot of people will who are not aware of the transformation process or how to move through it or how to work with the mind to shift, uh, they're going to feel overwhelmed and they won't feel like they can continue on. So I think a lot of people will die of various that. ways. Yeah. Various ways. You talked about that. I have to interject if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. In your very first book, was it was Frequency before? Yeah, Frequency was before Leap of Perception, right? Yes. And I, if I'm not mistaken, it was in Frequency in the very beginning. You just flat out said exactly what you said that, that you know, as a result of this shift, those that are not not of that ilk, but those that aren't ready to or understand how to make that shift are just going to die. We could be talking about mass annihilation. We could, or it could it, be. not all at once. Not all at could once. could be, you know, more more disease, more, um, you know, group people dying in groups around the world and war and, oh, who knows, you know, um, and and starvation, I think. Mm-hmm. We're going to have, because of global warming and the weather patterns changing, we're going to have droughts. Um, it's, you know, I think there will be quite a few problems. So the world is going to go through this, I think, uh, it's like going through the bottleneck or something and then coming out the other side. But I think a lot of the people who are waking up and who are getting very clear will not have so much problem with these things. You know, it's, uh, it's not in their, in their reality. Mm-hmm. So at the same time as a lot of things are kind of failing and being outmoded, pe- the awakened people are coming together to invent new systems to solve huge global problems like curing cancer and AIDS and uh, Lyme disease and things like that and the energy crisis and, you know, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's and happening so now. I think that's so. Happening. Some's going down, some's coming up, you know. And the balance of power is shifting over to awakened people. But it doesn't take more than fifty percent of people on the planet to shift it anymore. It's only a much smaller percentage of people who achieve stabilization in the intuition age consciousness um, for things to really, really start to change globally. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm actually very positive about all this, um, you know. Mm. I am too. I am too. I, you know, I've said it a million times. We're living in dichotomous times, but di- dichotomy 
for me, seems to indicate something on the other end that is uh, far brighter, the precipice of change. That was a chapter in my book, Dichotomy of mm -hmm. Consciousness and the Precipice of Change. I have another chapter called uh, Death of the Ego, R.I.P. I think you may recall uh, where we talked about, uh, you know, the ego uh, becoming illuminated in order to show itself, bring itself to the surface in order for it to be slowly uh, uh, backed out and letting the right <laughs> brain come in and take its proper place of prominence, as I've, I've said. So, right. yeah, right. I have, I think as, as well, Penny, these are, may we live in interesting times. Indeed, we are. Uh, there are some enormous uh, amounts of altruism as well as, you know, malevolence and uh, horrible things happening. They're, they're, they're all existing right now. So something big is shaking us up for sure. And I think right. on the other end of it is it, great things, but it's going to be bumpy. I say buckle up. It's going to be yeah, bumpy. Yeah, every time a new wave of energy comes through the planet and increases the vibration or a spike in the Schumann resonance occurs, yes. we have to open our bodies up to be able to relax and adjust to the new frequencies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you welcome it and, you know, let it change you, um, you'll just stay abreast of everything and then more and more of the kind of genius stuff will start pouring through you and then you'll find all the other people on that wavelength and you'll get together and you'll do projects together mm, and problems will be solved much more quickly than ever before right you're talking about the Schumann resonance we uh, resonance I think a lot of people mm -hmm. say it so fast it's resonance uh, resonance yeah just talked about that with my uh, previous guest whom I think you know Cynthia Sue Larson and yeah. this idea of, um, and it, it is a bit controversial. There's some scientists who feel that there have not been these spikes or some people are feeling that the, the spike has been sustained going from an average of, say, 7.8 hertz mm -hmm. or so to upwards of 18 hertz. Uh, now, as far as right. I can, from what I know, these are, these are just spikes that are happening and they'll, <clears throat> excuse me, come back down again. And the challenge, it seems, with, it, with whatever is happening, is for us, because we are to be, we are supposed to be in alignment with this resonance. We're supposed to be in resonance with it. The challenge is to have our literal heartbeat in in uh, uh, in this case. Uh, what am I trying to say? Parallel with what the Earth is doing. So if it's say seven point eight hertz per second. Uh, and it's spiking to 10, then we're being asked to raise our own frequency so that we can be on par. Right, in coherence. In, in with coherence, it. there you go. Yeah. I was a little tongue-tied um, there. <laughs> but what I've seen is there's a website that measures the uh, Schumann resonance mm -hmm. every day. And, of course, it's supposed to be the, the frequency between the center of the Earth and the ionosphere. Yes, I think I and, know what that uh, And it can be affected by solar flares and other things like that. But... Um, it has spiked. I mean, I think it's more average now around 15. Is it and, really? Yes. Wow. And But it spikes up like in April this year, it was up in the 50s. And then in the summer, I think it has spiked up into the hundreds. Really? So when you hit one of those spikes comes through, you're going to start to feel hyperactive or really uh, restless and nervous. And, you know, I say, I always joke, I want to eat carbohydrates during that time or <laughs> take naps or something, you know, because it's almost like you need to relax in order to let 
the body adjust. If you go out and try to jog or like make yourself be be hyperactive to match it, you won't match it. You'll actually cut it off. Right. You know, it's all all about like opening your brain waves up until theta and delta. You know, not to go faster and faster in the physical world, but if you're not aware of it, that's what we do. We try to jam more stuff in and do more every day and, you know, hyper, hyperventilate and hyperactivity stuff. And, uh, you know. So this would be a good question to end on. I'm looking at the clock. We're going to have to wind down uh, here. But this would be a great question to end on. First of all, I, I think I had the link to the site that you're talking about. But if not, maybe we can find it and make sure we attach it to this uh, to this episode. The question is, Penny, what might we do? First to be, uh, if we had the, let's say we could monitor this ourselves to see where these spikes are happening or when it's, you know, ebbing uh, back, how can we best work to be uh, in alignment with wherever it is and be informed about what it is we do or don't do when these fluctuations are occurring? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a lot of left brain stuff. I think walk in nature take naps, you know, meditate, let yourself have, you know, blank out a little bit. My sister calls it staring into space time. Um, And relax, let your body get soft and porous. If you meditate, imagine all your cells and particles are just kind of softening and opening up and there's spaces between all the particles. You know, and then even space between the end of your skin and the air particles and everything's kind of mixing and matching and things are flowing through us all and we're just super relaxed (laughs) you know and that i think allows then the particles that you're not separate from the air or the chair or the wall everything's going up in frequency Mm -hmm. so relax all the boundaries between things and Uh. let the whole field do the work excellent advice excellent advice and and that's about you know picture it feel it imagine it that helps the body actually do it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Now we're talking about the imaginal, which I love. <laughs> and that's uh, that's we that we talked about, as a matter of fact. We I'm, did. We we did some. We on did that six shows. This is is this number six <laughs> or number seven? I can't remember, but it's a lot. And maybe I'll put all the links so because all of our conversations are so much fun, Penny. And you have I know. such a way. Let me just say, you have such a way with ex- distilling. I think it's one of the first things I said to you some of the most complex information that for millennia we've been trying to understand. You have a gift for distilling them in such simple and uh, inspirational uh, uh, terms and ways, and and very poetic, by the way. So we appreciate you you for that. We really do. (laughs) Listen, everyone, go to pennypierce.com, will you? And let me spell it P-E-N-N-E-Y-P-E-I-R-C-E.com. And I wasn't even looking. I just know that by heart. <laughs> That's good. That's maybe I should spell it that way when I'm at the the checkout counter and they want me to spell my name, and then they go, they go, P- what? <laughs> because you spell penny it and, in their head. Yeah, you spell penny and Pierce is a little bit different. Totally different. Yeah. Yes. We'll have a link for everyone to go to. And by the way, Penny has just uh, beefed up her website. It looks even better than it did before. So lots, lots of great stuff, including uh, including that uh, that uh, blog uh, post that we kind of use as our inspiration and talking points for today. So Penny, thank you so much. Always, always a pleasure to have you on. And I can't wait to have you back and see what else you've been able to bring up to the surface, 
bring out in the ball, the spherical (laughs) (laughs) space. Seriously, because you you, and another thing I have to say, you, your own experience is your guide. And that's what you're sharing with the world. And I love that about you as well. So we appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Penny Pierce, thank you, my friend. Thanks for coming. And as uh, always, thank you. Great. And as always, we thank you out there in the Higher Journeys audience for joining us once again. We will see you soon. Take good care.